Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Without, without question, I stand behind this pulpit with a heavy heart. Death, no matter the age, no matter how prepared you are, it's still death. And it's someone that you care about. It's never easy, but it's amazing how... Even as I, as I talk right now, how the presence of God can allow you to, to feel the, the burden, but at the same time be excited because I know where Grandma is today. She's not in pain anymore. She's, she's reunited with her husband. And I also know that if there's one place that Grandma wishes she could be, if she wasn't up there worshiping, she'd want to be sitting right over here worshiping in church. With everything that she has, she may not have been able to stand up, but she'd be singing at the top of her lungs. She may not even known the words, but she was going to make something up because she loved the house of God. And so I feel the weight of the moment, but at the same time I feel the excitement of the moment because I know that if there was one thing she would want, her church to do and her family to do as well is to be in church. And so we're going to have church today. Is that all right with you? All right. Before we really dive into what we're going to talk about this morning, I need you to understand that from my unborn baby girl that's in my wife's tummy right now, that felt good to say. To the oldest person in this room, and everyone in between, your life is so significant to God that you cannot begin to place value on it. You've got to understand this morning that you matter so much to God sitting right there in your seat. Imagine how much He has invested in you. Imagine how much your praise is worth in heaven. Psalm 148 says, Praise Him, sun and moon and all the stars in the heaven, fire and hail, beast and creeping things, all of the birds and every tree and every mountain and every hill. Imagine all that has been created, stars that are thousands of light years away. The Bible says He knows them all by name. Imagine that every single thing that was ever created in history from dinosaurs to other planets, every single thing that was created pales in comparison to you. Nothing in the universe is more valuable to God than you. Measured against the billions of stars that we know of, there is no comparison. 
God would choose you over the light from every star, every single time, because he did not breathe into stars. He merely spoke them into existence. But ladies and gentlemen, he spoke life and breathed life into you. You have to understand how significant you are this morning. But unfortunately, oftentimes, I I feel that that we lose this, this hunger to meet God face to face. We want the safe, listen, we want the safe acknowledgement of God in three worship songs and a choir song, and we want to return to our happy little lives, never being bothered or changed. And I believe that God is looking down on a church and a generation saying, you know what? I need a people. I need a church who is willing to encounter me, to collide with me face to face, and who is willing to stay there, not worried about what they have to go do after church or what their life brings after they they head out of church. But he wants a people who is willing to meet him face to face and stay there for a moment. We enjoy the casual, listen, we enjoy the casual introduction to Jesus. The casual, hi, how are you, brushed by Jesus moments. An introduction does not change you. You can meet people and say, hi, how are you, it's so nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And you forget their names, but you have a head-on collision with somebody And you remember what you were wearing, you remember the surroundings, you remember everything, the details of the situation. Because a collision leads to an exchange. And an exchange leads to the extraordinary. I wonder this morning as we dive into What we're going to talk about, is there anybody in here who is hungry for a face-to-face collision with Jesus Christ? Come on, for just a few moments, can you forget about what your plans are when we walk out these doors? Can you tune in to the presence of God and allow Him to do something miraculous in your life? Are you ready for a face-to-face collision with Jesus Christ this morning? There was a man in the book of Exodus who had one such collision, leaving the average mundane life of religious cycle and turned and collided with a living God. He collided in a way that was so unbelievable and so massive that this life-changing collision actually changed the course of history. Do you know that if you choose to collide with our God, your collision can change the earth. One collision by one person can literally change the world. What if you were that one? What if collectively we are that one that can collide with Jesus Christ and make an impact so great That our world, your community, your kids' schools, the people that you interact with every day would be changed forever. What if we were that one? 
this morning for just a few moments. I'm going to talk to you on the subject of collide. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, follow with me on the screen, says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? And so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responds, here I am. And God says, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Let me tell you what I believe about the people sitting before me today. I believe that there are people sitting in this room who can literally impact your surroundings, impact your communities in a way that would change their lives forever. I'm not talking about for five minutes where they would get a feel-good experience, but you have something on the inside of you, and you have the capability because of what is inside of you to make an impact on the people that you work with every day, on the next door neighbors that you live by, the teachers that are in your children's school to change their life forever. You are what, as a student pastor, I would call a game changer. It's one thing to be on the sidelines, but once you step on the field, everything changes because what you carry, the world has never seen. I believe that the enemy is afraid that if you ever wake up and realize who you are, they know that their game is over. If you realize how significant you are, if you would awaken to the greatness lying dormant inside of you, this world would never be the same. And yet we rush to be normal. We rush to be normal on our jobs and in our schools and within our families. In our relationships. But you struggle. You struggle with your normalcy. Because it does not fit you. What fits you this morning is the extraordinary. What fits you is the supernatural and what fits you is the the greatness of God. You just don't seem to fit in. Every time you've tried, you've failed because God created you a significant individual for his glory and his power to be revealed in your life. Maybe, just maybe, there's a student, a teenager in here who is a a once-in-a-generation leader, brilliant beyond measure, who is not willing anymore to just be a manager, playing it safe on both ends because they're unaware of the outcome. But today they choose to stand up and they they choose to be the leader that God has in store for them because they, they say with God, all things are possible. Listen, listen, student. It's time for you to stop suggesting And it's time for you to start leading. 
Maybe there are businessmen and women who have innovative ideas and crazy, crazy business plans who are eager to step out in faith. But every time you do, you retreat in fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of of the what if. So you settle for normal time and time again. And I ask you the question this morning, what if you, what if I, what if this church were created for more than normal? What if you were created to do something unbelievable, earth-changing? What if you were created for more than normal? This man, Moses, we know, we know a lot about. He wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But until this point of our, of our passage that we came to, really, his life could simply be described as history. But in this moment, there was a collision. And he left the place of history. And this place became a place of destiny. A collision, listen... If you're taking notes, write this down. A collision is the line of demarcation between history and destiny. Let me, let me say, you didn't catch that. Let me say that one more time. A collision is the line of demarcation between history and destiny. When you collide with the almighty God face to face, everything from that point back is history and everything from that point forward is destiny. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Whenever you collide with Jesus, everything in your past becomes history. And everything from that moment forward becomes the destiny that he has created for you to walk in in your life. And the blood of Jesus Christ is the great equalizer here. It cleanses you. Of all of your sin and it frees you from every chain. And when you collide with the Lord, everything from that moment on is destiny. And he begins to move you into proper position and alignment so that you can accomplish the purpose and the goals that he has for your life. We're going somewhere, I promise. Moses. Moses had a lot of promise. And he had an incredible story. Born into slavery. He should have not survived birth. There was a decree in Egypt to kill kill the male children. But catch this. His mother saw something. She saw that there was something significant within him. Come on, I know I'm going to be a new daddy in a few months. But let me talk to every mom that's in this place today. It would be my prayer at the beginning of our time together. That you would begin to realize the potential of the children that you are raising every single day. That you would begin to understand what lies inside of your children and what they can really accomplish in their lives. And I encourage you today to continue to speak words of nurture. Continue to speak words of love over their life. Words of passion. Words of God has a plan for you. And I don't want you to miss what God has for you. And never words of fear. Never words of doubt. Never words of you're stupid and you don't matter and you don't count. My prayer for you this morning is that you would realize the potential of what you do every single day, time and time again, when you feel like pulling your hair out and I understand. When they won't sleep. 
Ah, Windsor, please, son. Go night-night. Lord, right now, we're going to join together. We're going to pray that my son will sleep every night. <laughs> Moses was put in a little basket and floated down a river. Now, you've got to catch this. this. This is not like... Like the Colorado River, okay? This is not like, ah, oh, do you see the beauty of the water? Oh, let's go dream, ah, oh, spring water. He, he was floated down a river full of crocodiles. Everybody say crocodiles. I don't know if you've ever been in a river with crocodiles. I haven't, but I'm sure it would be scary if you were. I, I've been in Panama and I've seen crocodiles underneath a bridge and just for fun just to frustrate them in my teenage years we would grab huge clumps of grass really about the size of a young baby and throw it over the bridge and you talk about a frenzy just out coming out of the water and Moses was floated down a river surely filled with with crocodiles but this mother believed that there was something so significant about this baby that it was worse It was worth the risk of pushing him into that river. The current could have swept him away out into open water. There were were crocodiles that were certainly lurking, but you've got to catch this because there was destiny in the boat. The waters could not overtake that little thing that was floating down the river because there was destiny in that boat. The crocodiles' mouths had to shut because there was destiny in that boat. Every creeping thing and creature of the river could not fully get its grasp upon Moses because there was destiny in that basket. So I stand here today. You know where I'm going right now. Because there is destiny over your lives this morning. You've got to understand that because there is destiny over your life, the enemy cannot fully get you in its grasp today. Listen, that doesn't mean that you won't go through times where you feel like you're floating down a river and crocodiles are lurking around every corner and you feel like you don't know how you're going to make it. You're confused, you're upset, you're frustrated, but because there is destiny in your life, The enemy cannot fully grasp you because there is destiny in your life. You have been given the ability to be an overcomer. You have the ability to be in treacherous situations but come out victorious. The car accidents, the cancer, all the situations that you thought were meant to take you out cannot fully grasp you. Because there is destiny. There is destiny over your life. Is anybody grateful for the destiny that you carry this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for the destiny. For 40 years, Moses was raised in the house of one of the wealthiest people in the land. You sit there and say, that sounds like fun. Sign me up for that. That's a beautiful idea. But there was a struggle. 
Because Moses knew that the ease of his upbringing warred with the reality of his destiny. I can take it easy, but I was born for something else. I was not born to simply take it easy. I was born to lead. When I see an injustice... I cringe. Moses could have taken the easy road like many of you could do at this very moment in your life because of the situations that surround you. You could settle for normal, but let's be honest, normal isn't working anymore. What everybody around us does just isn't working anymore. Being normal doesn't really work for the Christian. I wonder if God could be speaking to a people here at Christian Life Church this morning saying, listen, you know what? It's time to leave a life of normal and step into a life of destiny. Leave the life of ease, the life of comfort, the life that you know so well that doesn't require much of you. You could go through life doing it just the same way you've always done it. But God... I feel God saying this morning, come on, I wonder if there is a church in Austin, Texas who is willing to leave normal for the opportunity to change a city. A people that say, I'm not satisfied with the mundane. I'm not satisfied any longer a life of normal and average. If you want to move from a place of normalcy, listen, you've got to move yourself. It requires work. You have to move yourself into a position where you and Jesus Christ can collide head to head. So Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh, and at 40 years old, he sees one of his Hebrew brothers, the nationality of which he was born, being oppressed by an Egyptian. And he's so moved by this injustice that he kills this Egyptian. You know the story, and he buries him in the sand. And the next day, he sees two of his Hebrew brothers fighting, and he says to them, why are you fighting? We're supposed to be on the same side here. What's going on? And One of the gentlemen looks at him and says, excuse me, sir, what are you talking about? Are you going to kill me and bury me in the sand too? Yeah, I was watching everything that you were doing. I saw exactly what took place. And so Moses realizes that he has been caught. And what does he do? He takes off to the desert. Let me ask you this morning, how many of us have made bad mistakes? bad decisions and we run we run straight to the desert the desert of indecision the desert of shame and doubt the desert of depression and despair the desert of God is mad at me and can never use me the desert of I've messed up so big that I'll never recover there's no getting past this for 40 years he sits in a desert he makes his life in the desert how many of us made a life of a bad decision. 
And as adults, we wish that we could rewind the clock and we could, we could make some different choices and some things that we did in our past. And we look back living with regret and we sit in a desert of memories that do nothing but leave us in a state of brokenness. The Bible says in Exodus 3, when we find Moses at 80 years old, that he's, he's feeding his father-in-law sheep. Picture this. He goes from the highest of highs to perhaps the lowest of lows. You are living in Pharaoh's house in a mansion. You, Moses, you had it going on, baby. Everything was working in your favor. The money was flowing. Everything was perfect. Did I just say Mosey? Jeez. <laughs> you had it perfect. And now, Moses, you don't even own your own sheep. Ooh. You're feeding your father in law's sheep. And my first question is Moses, wait, how old is your father in law? You're 80 years old. He's got to be a good buck 50. I mean, come on. How old is your father-in-law here? Imagine going from a prince of Egypt to tending a flock of sheep that aren't even yours. How much regret and shame ate away at Moses for 40 years, saying, I used to be the man, but now I'm out here at 80 years old running after sheep that I don't even own. Guess my bad decision negated my destiny. Can I tell somebody this morning? Your bad decisions did not change God's mind about you. Your sin, though it's like scarlet, I will make it white as snow. There is nothing that you can do that causes God to change his mind about you. There's no sin too great. There's no mistake too large that causes God to change his mind about you. Try if you want. Run for years if you desire, but one day you're going to find God sitting bush and so now we're caught up to our passage today Moses is an 80 year old man filled with regret a murderer on the loose a fugitive from justice a man who struggled with identity issues am I a prince of Egypt or am I a Hebrew am I the oppressed or am I the oppressor today And many of us at 30, 40, and 50, we still struggle to answer the questions of who am I? What am I supposed to do with this life? Though it seems halfway gone, I still don't even know my purpose. Where am I called to go? How how do I even get there? How did I get here? Look at my family. Look at my circumstances. Look at my past mistakes. How do you want me to do these great things, God, when you look at my current circumstances? Let me talk to you for a moment. Moses Moses was tending the flock. In essence, he was faithful in the wilderness. 
He stayed submitted in the wilderness. He could have grabbed his wife and kids and said, hey, honey, listen, you know what? Do you, uh, I'm stepping in sheep poop all the time. I don't desire this. I've had more. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm done with this. Young people, middle-aged people, and elderly people alike hear this young man this morning. Stay connected to your local church. Stay connected in your wilderness. This is, this is the structure that God is building. Listen, you know the passage. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He is building a church and I promise you that you want to be connected to his church. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Do you want to be connected to the church? I know you may not understand it all. I know that it may seem confusing sometimes, but stay right there in your wilderness moments because this is the development of your destiny. I'm confused. I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like running and getting away from it. But when you find yourself in the wilderness... God's always trying to do something when you're in the wilderness. This place of wilderness is preparing you for the place of destiny that God is trying to get you to. And one day, Moses, not Mosey, Moses, Moses is walking and he sees something in this familiar setting that he had not seen before. And this is what he says. He says, I will now turn aside and I will see this great sight. That bush is on fire. Now, I know I'm a youth pastor, but you have to go with me. Picture, picture you being in the desert and you seeing a bush on fire. And uh, um, am, am I going crazy here? Hey, sheep, do you, do you see what I see? No, you're crazy. It took me a long time to think of that one. I've been storing that one in my pocket. I've been ready to tell that one. <clears throat> Do I have cataract? Listen, sheep. The bush is on fire, but it's not on fire, but it is. It's, uh, I'm 80. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Amnesia. What's happening here? Am I going crazy? I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk towards this unusual thing in a very familiar place. He'd been in the desert for 40 years. He knows the ins and outs of the desert. You don't take sheep to graze in an unfamiliar place. So I ask you this morning, where are you looking for God? We think oftentimes that God only shows up in an altar, and he, he does definitely show up in an altar. And, and we think oftentimes that I have to go to this next great big conference for men or women or couples, and that's where God's going to show up and change me and do something amazing in my life. We 
think that he only does the supernatural in these unfamiliar settings when we have to go and get the next greatest, best thing. But what if God wants to show up on your job? Or what if God wants to show up in your bedroom or while you're taxiing your children around from baseball to football to soccer practice? What if God wants to show up in a normal place? What if your normal course of life, the familiar things that you always do, and all of a sudden God refreshes your eyes and you see something in a familiar place that you've never seen before? What if he's hiding in plain sight? I found that what God often does is hide in plain sight to see how long it will take me to realize the thing that I'm looking for The thing that I've been searching for, the thing that I've been praying for, the thing that we've had prayer parties for and sent out Facebook prayer messages for is standing right before me. You need to hear a word from God. You need a word, you need a promise. Let me venture to say that you can receive that sitting at your desk at work. You can receive that sitting on your couch at home. God shows up in familiar places. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? The opportunity for greatness doesn't have to only be at an altar or at a conference. Sometimes this collision takes place in a very natural setting. Let's continue. The Bible says that that Moses turns aside. The Hebrew word for turns is the same word in the New Testament, listen, that we say Repent. He'd been walking down his own path for 40 years, and finally he sees something that caused him to repent. The way that I've been walking is not enough to get me where I'm called, and I need to turn in this moment. That's all. We we make this word repent to be this crazy, huge word theologically that we can't understand. It simply means to turn from one way of living and say, God, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore, but I want to now turn and go in this direction. That's all that repent means today. Repent does not mean to be ashamed of what you've done. Shame is nice, but shame does not change your situation. Repenting means that I turn and get off the course of sin that I'm on and I change to a direction towards God. And so Moses, I'm 80 years old. I'm living in regret. I've been living in the midst of my bad decision. Today I'm going to turn and walk a very different path. I'm going towards a supernatural collision in a very natural setting. And the Bible says That when God saw that, when God saw that he turned, which means when God saw, actually, when God saw that he turned, how long had God been sitting in the desert waiting for him to see him turn? 
Moses begins to move towards this bush and God calls to him, Moses. That's how I picture it. Moses, here I am. And God says, don't come any closer, Moses. Take your sandals off for the place that you are standing is holy ground. Here's what I find unbelievable about this passage. Moses had been walking this desert for years and apparently this desert was not holy. But all of the sudden, when he turned and was about to move in the direction of God, God says, stop, don't come any closer because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Don't come any closer, but because the fact that you have turned the place that you now are standing is consecrated. Nothing changed about Moses. He just turned and made a move. I wonder if the Lord today, if you you feel his nudging saying, you know what? All I need you to do today is turn make a move towards me turn and make a move towards me and I will consecrate the ground that you are standing on make a move towards me and I will bless everything that you put your hand to make a move towards me and I will honor the desires of your heart make a move towards me today or I will send direction in the midst of your storm I will send peace that you don't even think I'm available to give you Make a move towards me and watch everything in your life change. But the problem is we don't want to run towards the fire. We like the safe space, but the fire is not intended to harm you. Instead, it's a fire of purification and clarification. The fire shows you and exposes those things that God doesn't want to remain in your heart. And he's saying, I need you to make a decision to come towards the fire. So many people see the bush, but don't have what it takes to run towards it. It says that when God saw, he turned, he said, take off your sandals for the the place that you are standing is holy ground. Why? Because the moment that you turn, everything changes. The moment that you turn, the moment that you decide that I'm not going to live this way any longer, but Lord, I choose you and instead I choose to walk this direction. Everything in your life begins to change in ways that you can't even begin to comprehend, in ways that I can't even begin to explain exactly how it happens. All I know is that when you turn, Things begin to change. When you repent and you say, God, no more. God, yes, everything begins to change. Somebody needs to meet Jesus face to face today. Randy, would you help me? I'm done. This is my favorite part of the message. Because I get to talk about my son. Most of you have heard me talk about Windsor. Windsor is now two and a half years old. Man, I got to tell you, being a parent has changed me. I could just go to bawling right now. I love being a parent. But 
when you find out you're expecting, or at least when we did, maybe we're weird, I don't know, you, you start preparing, and that's normal. And so Windsor was born, that's exactly what we did. And, and I want to show you this picture. Look, we started preparing his room. That's, Windsor's, that's where Windsor lives. So we bought curtains. You see those pretty curtains? I hung those, thank you. That rocking chair in Ottoman, I built that with my own hands. I'm also a liar right now. I did not do that. We purchased a nightstand, and you see the other furniture. We purchased a changing table, which you can't see. We even had somebody come paint a beautiful tree on the wall. I can't not take credit for that. Somebody painted that, and it's beautiful. And I worked feverishly, now this is true, to put that bed together. I'm not, I'm not like horrible with my hands, but I'm not great. I, I was able to accomplish putting the baby bed together. And that, ladies and gentlemen, whether you recognize it or not, is a work of art. Good job, Brad. Thank you. But baby beds are interesting. The sole purpose of Windsor's baby bed and many of your children's baby bed exists to protect the infant while they are sleeping. It's a great thing because Windsor, as an infant, needs that type of containment because he doesn't have the capability to control himself from rolling all over the place and catching himself if he falls. He just, boom, that's what would happen. So we have a baby bed that comes up on four sides. And, and you know how you put the mattress all the way down at the bottom so they can't, can't climb out, they can't get out because it's for their safety. And at this point in his life, he needed this type of bed. This bed gave him no ability to escape. Thank you, Jesus. That would not be good if he did. But as Windsor grew and continued to get older, really about the age of two, he started to transition. He became mature. Not, no, not really. Really what just happened is he started to outgrow his baby bed. And so as parents, we had to fix this problem. We had to fix this bed. So I want to show you round two here. Check out, check out what daddy did. Oh, hey, what's up, buddy? That's my little dude. And so you see what we did there. There used to be where he's sitting. It went all the way to the top to where he could not get out. But now that he's matured and now that he's begun to transition and, and grow a little bit, mommy and daddy had to do something. Huh. And if you've never done this as a parent, and if you have, you can attest to the fact that this is the most terrifying night of your life. You create a way for him to get in and out of his bed, which that's great, but that's also horrific at the same time. And so Cass and I, we begin to go through every option available. He, he could get out of the bed and walk into the bathroom and start drinking out of the toilet. Don't try that. He could get out of bed and go upstairs where all of his toys are and he might trip on one of the stairs and fall down and land on the tile landing and it could be over for our two-year-old son at this point. We play the options and over and over. He could get out of bed and because he's not tired, because he wants to get out of bed, he starts walking around the house and because it's dark in the house, could trip over a piece of furniture and fall and hit his head on a corner. That, that's the kind of stuff as a parent you think about and you try to create situations to where they can't do this. 
In this position here, Windsor's options are endless. Would you stand with me all across the house? Windsor's options are endless. He now has freedom. He no longer is confined to his baby crib, his pen, if you will. As the movie Aladdin said, it's a whole new world with dazzling places he never knew await him. He now has access to the pantry. Don't eat daddy's food, son, rule number one. Daddy likes to eat. He now has access to every single one of his toys. Who would want to sleep at night when you had access to a basketball, a soccer ball, or in his case, a golf club? He would come in my room and tee it up and hit me in the head on accident. He loves golf. He has free reign to everything that he could possibly want. His options are limitless and I can almost picture him standing on the edge of the bed as only Mel Gibson can do in a Braveheart moment and say, they may take our lives, but they will never take my freedom. His options are limitless. He is free to come and go as he pleases. He has access to everything. And so the first night, oh, heavens. The first night, Cass and I lay there and we're like, oh, Lord. Is this the time? Is this the moment? When's he going to get out? Oh, Lord, dear God, help us, please, right now, let him sleep. I don't think we slept at all that night. Seriously, I really don't think we did. We were a nervous wreck that a habit would start and we would never be able to break him of this habit. But apparently we did fall asleep because the next morning we woke up to how he wakes up every single morning just like this. Mommy! And you know, that baby monitor just blares in your ear and you're like, ah! Daddy! Mommy! Daddy! And so we wake up startled. I I think I was on a dead sprint. Ah! What happened? He's a, yes, Windsor, you're awake. And it blew our minds because... He stayed in his bed. And so the next night we do this again and we're terrified and thankful at the same time. Tonight's the night, honey. He's going to do it. We go to sleep nervous and we wake up the next morning to mommy, daddy. He's still in his bed. So we run in there, we get him. Night and night and night after time. Windsor will not get out of his bed until we come in there and we literally pick him up like we had done for the previous two years. He's still laying in his bed waiting for us to pick him up like every other morning. Over and over and over again. You know how long it took Windsor to break this routine? We, we started praying, God, man, you let him get out of bed now. He's got the capability. Walk in there and wake us up. Give me 30 extra seconds of sleep while you walk in my room. Two entire months 
before Windsor ventured out of his bed. And one morning we were asleep and he wakes up. He looks at me and our bed's about eye level. We're talking about freak you out. out of his bed. Listen, he would wake up every morning fully capable to get out of his bed, but because he had become so conditioned to the confinement that he was held to for the previous two years, he never realized the freedom that stood before him. Some of us this morning have become so conditioned to living a confined and a contained life I'm here to tell you today, there is freedom. There is freedom for you this morning. There's freedom from that past that you just can't seem to get past. There's freedom and you're laying in a bed full of confinement and containment, trapped by your past and trapped by life. saying listen with me when you turn I can set you free and when I set you free your options are limitless whatever you desire the desires of your heart I can provide those for you you don't have to live contained any longer watch all you have to be willing to do so safe and secure in here. I know, I know what this space is like. My toys are awaiting me. My soccer ball, my golf clubs, the wild blue yonder awaits me. There's freedom. You have to have the courage to say, you know what, God? I may have been trapped, I may have been contained for a long time, but when I collide with you, my past is my past. And from that moment on, I'm walking into my destiny. I'm walking into everything that I could imagine, more than I can imagine you are providing for me. My options are limitless. Whatever I need you can provide, I just have to step out and walk into the beauty what awaits me. Walk into the beauty of the destiny that you have in store for me. Let me finish with this. The significance of the sandals is this. Moses was a shepherd and he herded sheep day in and day out. He had a lot of dirt and stuff on his feet. essence, I feel like God is saying, Moses, take off those sandals because you're tracking dirt onto holy ground. I want to tell you this morning, sandals are symbolic of what you've been walking in. Symbolic of an old foundation of something that's been comfortable and protected you. 
something that you're comfortable in, something that you feel safe in in this morning. Maybe you need to take your sandals off. Don't track dirt into your destiny. Maybe you need to make that turn this morning. I wonder if you could just slip your hands in the air. Listen, I'm not going to make a call for you to come down in this moment. Time is of the essence. But for those of you that have never prayed a repentant prayer, you've never prayed the prayer that, Lord, I am sorry for my mistakes. And right now, God, I want to turn from the direction that I'm It's so simple. That's all it is. I want to turn and I I want to move towards you. And from that moment on, when I began to move in your direction, things begin to change. Come on, I wonder if you would slip your hands up, every hand down. Now, if that's you, would you just raise your hand in this house today? That's beautiful. God's doing something in your life right now. Listen, I'm not going to walk you through a prayer. But I want you to begin in your own ways own words to say, God, you're speaking to me today. God, I'm turning this morning. I'm tired of walking this life that I've walked for so long, and I'm I'm moving in a new direction. God, you've got destiny for me. My options are endless this morning. You've got something great for me, and today I'm climbing out of the bed of containment, and I'm walking into the destiny that you have set before me. God, I know, I know that everything's about to change and I'm okay with that. Shake me up, stir me up today, God. Make me better for you. Because I'm not content living the normal, mundane, religious cycle, but I want something more. So today, God, I take my sandals off. And God, I'm forgiven of my past I no longer desire to track dirt into my destiny, God. And I I walk into something brand new this morning. I walk into a greater life. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in this house today. And it's in your name I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.